Our scripture reading this morning comes to us from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Now, the letter to the Philippians was written to a church in the city of Philippi. Philippi was a city in Greece, not too far off the coast in the northern part of the country. And it wasn't a very large town. It was about 10,000 people, which is about the size of Union City or Millington for a point of reference. But of course, they would have lived all much closer together. It wouldn't have been near as large as land masses those cities. And it wasn't a big church either. The church at Philippi, some think maybe had about 30 or 40 adults in it total. Now, when I read a scripture, especially at one of Paul's letters, we have to remember that it's written to a church. Uh, we Americans tend to hear things with our ears as me and my and mine, not we and our and ours. We tend to think first as an individual faith. But this morning, as you hear these words, I encourage you to think of them as our corporate faith, the words shared with a church. And as I read this morning, may we hear this scripture as an invitation to reorient our thinking and our focus. Hear these words from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, Whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Keep on doing the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Yesterday, October 10th, was World Mental Health Day, so it would seem appropriate that our scripture for this morning would answer the question, what is worth occupying our minds? What should we be thinking about? Doesn't it seem that there are simply just too many things to think about these days? I was telling someone a couple weeks ago, we were talking about what our church lives were like right now. And I said, you know, I used to have to keep track of about 17 things. And now it seems like I have to remember to do about 93 things. We have to remember to grab a mask on our way out of the house and we have to make sure that we have it on our face. We have to remember to wash our hands and to register or sign in whenever we go somewhere. We have to decide if the trip outside is worth taking the risk, whether it's going to worship or eating out in a restaurant or getting on an airplane or even riding in a car with someone we don't live with. And then there's those tropical storms in the Gulf and that guy that's constantly trying to get us to buy pumpkins. So what do you want to think about instead? Maybe anything else? Our scripture this morning is a reminder that sometimes maybe we think about the wrong things, that our focus is misplaced. 
According to data released by Amazon on the most highlighted passage in Kindle eBooks, this passage from, Philipp from Philippians is the most popular passage from the Bible, a passage about reducing anxiety and finding trust in God. Now, some of you just heard me say Amazon and data release and all you're thinking about is Amazon is keeping track of what I highlight in my Kindle, thereby raising your anxiety. Have no anxiety about anything, Paul says to the Philippians. Don't worry about a thing. Of course, Paul doesn't follow it up with, cause every little thing gonna be all right. See, Paul is writing from prison, so he's pretty sure things aren't going to turn out all right. But he says these words anyway, which I think just adds to the power of them. He could have painted a bleak picture of his circumstances, thrown a pity party, but instead he says things like, the peace of God that exceeds all understanding is going to keep you safe in Christ Jesus. I've been thinking about anxiety. Is anxiety a disease? A condition we can't avoid? Maybe it's an addiction. Something we know we shouldn't do, but we do it anyway. Perhaps it's something of both. Partly because we can't help it, and partly because for some dark reason we choose not to help it. We torment ourselves with detailed visions of the worst things that can possibly happen. The nagging headache that we convince ourselves can only be a brain tumor. Or when our teenage son fails to get home by curfew and he hasn't called like he's supposed to to say he's running late, and we decide there can only be one explanation. I thought you were dead! We yell at him as he finally comes through the front door. Anxiety is our body's res natural response to stress. It's a feeling of fear or apprehension about what's to come. The first day of school, going to a job interview, or giving a speech may cause us to feel fearful or nervous. Anxiety comes from circumstance, like a health crisis of ours or a loved one. Circumstances like lack of resources. It's the unknown. It's things beyond our control. I read an article this week written by a psychologist who specializes in treating anxiety disorders. And the title of his article was, Thoughts Are Just Thoughts, How to Stop Worshiping Your Anxious Mind. And because it had the word worship in it, it caught my attention. And the author said this, we worship our minds. We take what it says very seriously. We believe that if our minds say something, it must be important. It must mean something. The problem is not the fact that your mind gives you negative thoughts. The problem is that you take your mind so seriously. Just because your mind says something is important does not mean it's actually important. Just because something feels important also does not mean that it is important. Thoughts are just thoughts. Thoughts are not facts. Thoughts are not meaningful. The content of your thoughts is not 
important. Did you hear that? Thoughts are not facts. But still, there's a lot of things that can make us anxious. Note that Paul doesn't just write, do not be anxious, but rather he says, do not be anxious about anything. He's not really saying, stop being anxious. It's more like he's saying, from this point on, you have no reason to be anxious. It's not worth your time and energy. Put that effort into something else, something more productive, more useful for the kingdom of God. And Paul gives the Philippians some tasks like bring all your requests to God in your prayers and petitions along with giving thanks, praying and giving thanks. See, if we're going to try to move beyond worry, something needs to fill in all those places those crevices where worry and anxiety reside, or it just fills back up again with whatever we have lurking in our brains. Paul gives us one option. He says to pray without ceasing. But I know for a fact that we can pray and pray and pray and pray some more and still feel anxious. So, What's the antidote to worry or anxiety? The opposite is peace. But I don't think peace is the antidote to worry. Peace is where we end up when we've moved through our anxiety to the other side. I think the solution to anxiety is found in verse 4 in this chapter. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say Rejoice. Now, I ask you, what's the root of the word rejoice? Joy. Frederick Buechner said it this way. We need to be reminded that at its heart, Christianity is joy. And that laughter and freedom and the reaching out of arms are the essence of it. We need to be reminded, too, that joy is not the same as happiness. Happiness is human-made, a happy home, a happy marriage, a happy relationship with our friends and with our jobs. We work for these things, and if we're careful and wise and lucky, we can usually achieve them. Happiness is one of the highest achievements of which we are capable, and when it is ours, we take credit for it, and properly so. But see, we shouldn't take credit for moments of joy because we know they're not human-made and that we're not really responsible for them. They come when they come. They're sudden and quick and unrepeatable. The unspeakable joy sometimes just of being alive. The miracle sometimes of being just who we are with the blue sky and the green grass. The faces of our friends, the waves of the ocean, being just what they are. The joy of release, of being suddenly well when before we were sick, of being forgiven when before we were ashamed and afraid, of finding ourselves loved when we were lost and alone. One is that joy is always all-encompassing. 
There is nothing of us left over to hate with or to be afraid with, to feel guilty with or to be selfish about. Joy is where the whole being is pointed in one direction. And it's something that by its nature one never hoards but always want to share. The second thing is that joy is a mystery because it can happen anywhere, anytime, even under the most unpromising circumstances, even in the midst of suffering with tears in its eyes. Joy does not depend on good circumstances. In 2015, I took the youth choir to Texas on our annual summer tour. Now, the Texas tour is usually the most feared of all the tours. It's always hot. It usually rains. Poor is actually like tropical storms and flooding. And one year, we actually stayed in a hotel with Red Cross relief workers who were there to clean up after all the flooding. But in the midst of all that, were multiple experiences of joy. One morning, we went to sing at Dickinson Place. Now, Dickinson Place is a 12-story high-rise apartment building in East Dallas with 165 one-bedroom units for independent senior living. It was started in 1971 by just one United Methodist Church, as an outreach ministry to provide safe, affordable housing for senior adults in what had been one of the poorest sections of Dallas. And now, 49 years later, it still meets that need. Now, when we arrived at Dickinson Place, um, because it was a high-rise, it wasn't set up like most retirement apartments. There wasn't a whole lot of space, but on the front side of the high-rise building, they had a building that was attached to the front side between the sidewalk and the rest of the building that looks like it had probably been a cafe, like a Denny's at some point. And set up inside of it were tables with chairs around, and over against the wall was this old, beat-up, upright piano that probably hadn't been tuned in this century. And we tried to carefully move it away from the wall so that Jackie would be able to see me as I directed the youth choir without the whole thing kind of falling apart. And as the residents came in, they were sitting around at these tables. They weren't set up in rows of chairs facing us. They were just kind of scattered around the whole room. Now, whenever we go to sing anywhere on youth choir tour, we never know who's going to show up. But on this particular morning, the room filled up with one of the most racially diverse older adult audiences we had ever sung for. And as the youth began singing, with my back to the audience, of course, I witnessed something rare on the faces of the youth choir. Smiles. So much so that I had to turn around to see if something funny or unusual was happening behind me. And I didn't see anything. And as the concert went on, about three songs in, we started an up, upbeat gospel number that Jackie was pounding away on the out-of-tune piano and Travis was grooving on the drums. And the residents started joining in and talking out loud to us. You know, things like, all right, and uh-huh, and sing it. And the audience started clapping before we even got to the part of the song where we were planning to clap. And so we started clapping too, and then we started swaying, 
And our audience actually started cheering for us. And the youth choir sang louder than I have ever heard them sing before, still smiling and swaying and clapping. And all the while, my eyes were welling up with tears. It was a joy-filled moment of worship, a joy-filled moment of community, of connection between two groups of people who had been in relationship with each other for a sum total of maybe 15 minutes at that point in our program. Joy is what we feel deep in our bones when we realize and feel connected to others and to what is genuinely good, beautiful, and meaningful, which is possible even in pain. I'll say it again, joy does not depend on good circumstances. So that should be great encouragement to all of us right now. We don't need everything to be perfect to have joy in our lives. Steve Stone Jr. was one of our youth ministers here for several years. Steve was a very talented artist. In fact, he used to uh, illustrate just about everything. He would even design beautiful pages of his notes for, for a youth group that he was sharing from um, that no one would ever even see. But he had made this just beautiful visual uh, representation that he was uh, sharing from because it inspired him to see all that beauty. Steve was also a very gifted listener. And I used to enjoy my conversations with him, whether it was at lunch or in one of our offices. And usually we'd be sharing ideas with one another, just being, you know, sharing from our creativity. And somewhere in the midst of those conversations, I would always just feel something touch my soul unexpectedly. It was just a conversation, but somehow it sustained me. It fed my soul going deeper. It, it must be joy when that happens. Angela Goral says, we cannot put joy on our to-do lists. It does not work that way. But there are ways we can prepare ourselves for joy. There are gateways to joy that help us become more open to it. Things like gratitude, bringing to mind the good that is in the world. And anytime we participate in experiences that help us feel connected to something beyond ourselves, like we do when we're worshiping together. This time last year, as I was celebrating my 25th anniversary here at Emmanuel, the choir surprised me with a gathering the night before the recognition here at church. And magically, my whole family was there. My parents from Missouri, my brother from New York, my son and his girlfriend from Texas. And Travis had invited folks to write me letters celebrating my tenure in ministry and it was all bound together in this beautifully designed hardback book. And there are letters there from current choir members and former church members who have since moved away, and our district superintendent and former pastors that I've worked with, and friends from high school and seminary and family, and on and on. It's actually pretty overwhelming to read. And that evening, after the gift-giving was over, I felt like I should say something beyond just thank you. Of course, since it was a surprise, I hadn't prepared anything, 
But all I could think of in that moment was a question that needed answering. What brings me joy? Why have I stuck around this place for 25, now 26 years? And of all the things to pop in my head in that moment was the words to a Willie Nelson song, On the Road Again. And the line was, the life I love is making music with my friends. The antidote to anxiety is community. Live in community. That's where we find joy. The Christian life is a corporate experience, not an individual one. Giving, serving, loving, participating together in the work of the gospel, it all needs more than just me. It needs we, us, together. Joining Jesus in the work of remaking, remaking and reimagining the world the way God intended it to be. What should we fill our minds up with when we have allowed the joy of the Lord to clear away all the stuff we worry about? Good things. Focus your thoughts on these things, all that is true, all that is honorable, all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely, and all that is worthy of praise. Practice these things. Whatever you learned, received, heard, or saw in us, the God of peace will be with you. So I invite you this day to worship God instead of your minds. Take this opportunity to consider what it is that it's worth occupying your minds, those things that enhance your faith and lead us all deeper into discipleship. For where you have known joy, you have known God. Let it be so. Amen.